Universe Genius episode number 30, Rick and Morty. So in this episode, Don is joined with John Manis from the Swarmcast, along with Christian Cha. And they talk about, well, you guessed it, Rick and Morty. Hey, do you know you can go over to podpledge.com and search for Inverse Genius and you'll see our Podpledge page. All that money goes to help support the ongoing podcasting costs and we truly appreciate it. Thanks. Welcome to another episode of Inverse Genius. I'm Donald Dennis. You can still find me staggering blindly all over the internet as Walsfio. Today, I'm just absolutely thrilled to have back, well... One of our best transforming guests ever, John Manus. Hey, hey, everybody. It's good to be back, Donald. Good to be back. Good to have you back, John. Yeah, it's good to be back. So, um, you brought a friend. That's right. You, you brought a friend to the show. I brought a uh, fellow Swarmcast host, uh, Kristen Chal. How's it going, Kristen? Pretty good. Not bad at all. And he is coming to us uh, from somewhere undisclosed in Germany. It, is it really in Germany? Well, only because I don't really know exactly where it is. I mean, I know where Germany is, but do you? Could you point to it on a map? I've played diplomacy. <laughs> I played fair enough. Up. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, you're you're hiding in Germany for some reason. Um, thank you for phoning in from what must be later in the day over there. Eh, Mid afternoon. It's fine. So, uh, tell us a bit about the Swarmcast before we uh, leap into what we're talking about today, you two. John, I think this is your bailwick. Well, the Swarmcast is a podcast about gaming in all sorts of forms, shapes, and stuff. And there's also me doing some strange voices on there. And occasionally I get people who are smarter than me, like Kristen, on there to talk about um, all sorts of gaming topics and other things. to make. And also uh, do strange voices. Yeah, sometimes I, I, I trick people into doing strange voices, too. Ooh, that is pretty cool. And over here on The Inverse Genius, we have a whole bunch of other podcasts as well. Lots of gaming stuff, some streaming, and uh, we'll just check the show notes or go to inversegenius.com. You can find out all the stuff that we do here locally. But we're so glad that John will come over and talk with us on occasion, slumming it here with us at Inverse Genius. <laughs> slumming. Woohoo! All right, so today, though, we're going to talk Rick and Morty, which is um, a cartoon that looked like it was dead and is now back for apparently quite a few more episodes, or, or will soon be back for quite a few more episodes. Yay! John, this is your fault, because you're the one who first sort of introduced me to the show. So, um, tell us about Rick and Morty, or, or sum up Rick and Morty, one of the two. Uh, okay, well, Rick and Morty is about a grandfather and his grandson who go on all sorts of wacky and crazy adventures as they travel through space and interdimensions and alternate realities and have all sorts of interesting sciencey type things. And you also get to learn about their family and family dynamics. It's all just a, a fun, happy time for the entire family. Very wholesome. And part. And part of what I said is absolutely true. It's, it's actually about a really messed up uh, family dynamic between this uh, this grandfather who is a just a super scientist, mad scientist, definitely, and um, his very normal grandson. Uh, you almost could say, but subnormal to some degrees. Right. It's kind of you know, it's <laughs> oh, it's all in the f family meets Back to the Future. I guess is really what it is. 
with a hefty dose of nihilism. Yeah, yes, very much so. Um, it actually started, the show started as a parody of Back to the Future. So it was Doc and Morty, which is, uh, mm-hmm. so, so that's why it's now Rick and Morty instead of Doc and Marty. Oh, right, right, right. That, that makes a lot of sense. It certainly does look like uh, the Doc. That is sure. Uh, but they don't have uh, anything resembling a DeLorean. No, they certainly do not. <laughs> All right. So what are some of the themes that we hit in the show? Or we can talk family members. Shall we talk members or theme? Um, I think let's talk, let's talk some of the family members first. And then that definitely lends in, leads into talking about the themes. I know Kristen hit on probably the, the, probably the overall main theme about at least one of the characters. Well, it kind of goes about the whole show, which is nihilism. All right. Well, uh, Chris, who's your favorite character on the show? Honestly, I strangely enough identify with Morty. He's a bit helpless, uh, especially at first, and just trying to go along with the flow. And he's constantly being dragged into things that are way over his pay grade. So uh, Mm. that's just kind of, uh, I think, how a lot of people feel uh, in their own lives, right? It is getting dragged into crazy and crazier and crazier things. Uh, without really any say in it. Yeah, and I guess that's a good point. We really should sort of talk about the uh, the main characters a little bit. Uh, so, uh, wh- how else would you define Morty? What elements would you say make the uh, the essential Morty? Since we've learned that there is more than one, what is the essential Mortiness of Morty? Uh, so he's just like a, a hapless uh, teenage boy. I mean, he's he's got interests in girls and. Um, He's just trying to make it through his daily life. He's got school and all this normal stuff. But then he's uh, also got to step up to the plate every now and then and go on these adventures with his grandfather. No, it feels it feels kind of like he's had a little bit of an arc. You know, more of an arc than you'd expect for, uh, for a character in this kind of show. Um, his willingness to go on adventure, his, you know, his anger with his family or with his, uh, with his grandfather... Uh, and so forth. Well, you know, he's adapted uh, quite a bit as well, right? He started off being a lot more reluctant um, and a lot more scared by everything. But as the seasons progress, he's gotten more into uh, just um, being acclimated to having to deal with these high-pressure, really strange, weird, uh, frightening uh, events that are happening around him. Wow, I had something very insightful to say. But uh, but it's gone now. So, yes, you are absolutely correct. I think now we'll move over to John. John, that leaves you to talk about Rick Sanchez, uh, the man whom you've cosplayed as before. And honestly, I thought you were cosplaying as a uh, Back to the Future guy. Uh, so, <laughs> why don't you let us know a little bit about uh, Rick Sanchez and sort of, you know, what his place is in the whole canon Okay, well, Rick Sanchez is the grandfather to Morty, and he is, um, gosh, he, he is a mad scientist type that has, uh, he literally, he starts off the show, and you get the impression he doesn't care about anything except for himself. Um, and mm-hmm. then it, you, you get some interesting arcs with him as his relationship with uh, Morty 
kind of grows and changes, and then eventually his relationship with his daughter Beth grows and changes, and and the other family members as well. But for the most part, he is just a uh, gosh. He's just he is a force of of chaos and destruction that just kind of he just he he happens to everything, as it were. Yeah, he's a perfect example of the uh, the self centeredness of you know certain forms of creativity. <laughs> yeah. The fans of Rick and Morty, you have a variety of them, right? You've got the good fans, uh-huh. you've got the bad fans, and the bad fans exemplify that sort of inwardly looking I'm so cool I can do what I want kind of thing without understanding exactly what is going on uh, to the rest of the world around them and uh, right. but we'll, we'll we'll talk about sauce later I think I'm sure so. <laughs> oh yes we'll get into sauce gate a little bit later we'll <sighs> get into sauce um, all right well the, the rest of the family you've got the, uh, the the dad who is really kind of hapless and he is kind of a waste of time. Most, you know, there are one or two episodes where you go, okay, he is not completely useless. Uh, though at this point, it's been long enough that I've watched. I couldn't point at exactly which episodes those were. Um, you have, uh, Rick Sanchez's daughter, Morty's mom, who, uh, is just look like she's trying to suffer through these idiots and geniuses as best she can. Um, and then the sister, Right? Is there is there anything that we really want to go in depth with with any of those three characters before we leap further into the Rick and Morty discussion? Well, I don't think you need to uh, go in depth in the character, but sort of the dynamics, right? So, oh yeah. So the the dad Jerry, like you said, he's just kind of a, a waste of, uh, of space, right? He's um, he got his girlfriend pregnant at a very young age, and they stay together despite the fact that it seems like having children was the only thing that kept them, uh, kept him and his wife, uh, together over all the years. And he's just pathetic. (laughs) There's, there's like no other way to to say it, but he, he does over time. Like you said, there, there are moments where he does things that are heroic, where he stands up to himself, uh, for himself and so on. And to himself. Yeah. Kind of, (laughs) (laughs) um, the, uh, mother Beth, uh, she starts off um, sort of just idolizing her father who had disappeared for many years and then um, she's just not impressed at all with her with her husband not impressed with her life she wants something more she's a horse surgeon and wants to be a regular person surgeon but yeah she's just sort of unfulfilled all the way through the the show and then yeah she really niched herself out didn't she i mean <laughs> because you've got to go through regular medical school right before you can become a vet isn't that or, or do i have that backwards no you don't have to well anyway who cares um See, i always got the impression that she rather uh wanted to be taken seriously as a horse doctor not so much that she necessarily wanted to be a an actual real person surgeon mm. you know depending on which version of her it could be right. Well, that's true. So, so a lot of these characters, yeah, like Kristen said, they start off in these very uh, stereotypical roles. Beth is very much the 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 wine mom, as it were, and Jerry mm-hmm. is just the, the you know the 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 foolish uh, dad, and he really doesn't get too much character growth. And Summer starts off; their daughter Summer starts off as the very typical teenager. 
trying to be popular. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So the question is, did do you think that they organically made her summer a more interesting and participatory character just they just did because they're like, okay, we need to keep evolving the shtick, which is one of the things that they do fairly well. Is It's odd the kinds of things that they hone in on that keeps happening over and over again versus the stuff that they realize, we're going to beat you with this dead horse. Sorry, Mom. Um, <laughs> over and over again for one episode versus the, hey, we're going to make this a recurring joke that we're going to keep calling back to. And do you think that, that she organically became... Uh, a more active part of the of the time traveling dimension hopping crew, or that it was something that they decided. You know, we have two dudes. We need to have not a dude. Because I mean, in the in the story, it kind of makes sense because they treat her with just horrible disregard, right up until they, you know, like, oh, okay, she's awake. She's 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 aware of what's going on, or you know, she's essential to what's happening, and it seems to all sort of work out. I don't know. It felt pretty organic to me. Yeah, and I, I felt like her character probably went through the probably the most growth, the the greatest uh, arcs, as it were. Um, yeah, even though they were very uh, kind of mundane and normal compared to everybody else in the show, um, it just seemed like hers were. It was definitely felt more organic. So something I don't remember them saying was why why Rick disappeared for so many years. Was it because the Rick? of the original timeline that we first saw died and was replaced by an alternate Rick eventually, because that's sort of the vibe that I've eventually gotten from this series. And Oh, and in case I didn't mention spoilers, spoilers, all kinds of spoilers. All right. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so where did Rick come from or where did he go? Why was he gone for so long? Well, that's a very good question, because every time they give us an origin story, they, they kind of hint that he might have just been making that up. So, um, we don't really know exactly where he came from. Uh, it's heavily implied that he's definitely not the Rick Sanchez from the Earth that he's on. At the beginning of the series. Right. And, by extension, probably not the one on the Earth where they spend most of the rest of the, the show. Or seem to. They yeah. they hint that they've switched universes more than once. Yeah. I mean, it, it, my understanding is feeble, but it is also that they could be on like Earth 27 at this point on, on our relative scale, right? They've got so many, so many things have happened that they're, it's like the, uh, the paper towels of, of universes. Like, oh, we've used this one up. We're moving to the next one. So that does bring up a, a really interesting thing that uh, if, for somebody listening to this, if you really want to try to understand one of the basic premises of the show, uh, there is an episode in season one, I think it's what, Rick Potion number nine is what it's called, where they pretty much beat you over the head with the, with the fact that, um, that Rick has changed realities multiple times, and this time he's dragging Morty through it. So, yeah, there's a lot of times when you're watching a show and it might not be the the Earth that Rick is originally from or the one that even Morty's originally from. But they they quickly that's it's a it's a funny joke that they end that episode with and they don't really go back to that. Well, except for like, I think one, maybe a couple other times. But yeah, well, yeah, so to speak. And then you have the. The convocation of, you know, Ricks, right? You've got... Right. 
right the citadel and the council of ricks and all the the mortys that live there which is a huge part of whatever the last season was was that season three season three season two. yeah yeah so the, the the big part is they they introduce it in the very first episode uh dimension hopping and one of the consequences of that is there are going to be other Ricks, other Mortys out there, other worlds that are mostly like the one they start with. And so when you have all of these genius Ricks who are able to dimension hop, they band together and uh, all but one or two, apparently. So they band together and create a, a whole citadel. So it so with, to answer the the question that sort of led us down this tangent, I think. Uh, probably there's something about Rick that had him at some point leave his family behind and uh, go dimension hopping. Um, that that seems to be common enough because the uh, even the other universe Beths seem to acknowledge that Rick ran off. So that means he's done that in multiple universes. Right. Yeah, it, it does feel like he generally doesn't play well with others, no matter who he is. But all the other Ricks who banded together figured, like, well, we cannot play well with each other's together. Yeah. yeah. So as, as far as just dimension hopping and, and the Council of Ricks and stuff, um, just oddly enough, just last night I was rewatching the the episode with Mr. Needful, which is the big parody of the Needful Things, Stephen King kind of thing. And, yep. and there's a part in there where uh, Summer tells him, look, you've won, whatever, just, you know, I don't care anymore. And she leaves, and then Rick just, like, burns down the whole shop he says all right i'm bored everybody out and that's kind of a uh, how you can kind of explain why why there's a council of ricks how every rick always seems to abandon his family at some point is that whole sort of all right i'm bored everybody out i'm i'm, I'm doing something else now right uh which is really where i thought that we were getting with the series is that the folks who were making it were starting to get bored with it it's like i was watching it's like oh this is their story of they get to bring us and sell us and do weird things. They're enjoying it, enjoying it. And then and then the main character gets bored with it. And I'm like, oh, this is them talking to us. <laughs> but apparently not, because it has recently, uh, well, I guess not too recently been renewed, but it will soon be coming out. And there's going to be how many new episodes, John? 70 new episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh, have they willowed it down to seven? Because originally it was like 300 episodes. That, that I heard talking about on the internet, but I think that uh, was just a I, lot it, of wishful thinking. Yeah. From what I heard, it was 70, which is still a lot of episodes. Cause that'll bring, it is, it's more than we got now. Right. right so and that'll actually bring the number up to around a hundred. I want to say total once they're done. Yeah. I think they're at 31 total episodes now. Right. And a hundred is like that magic number, uh, at least with American television. Mm. You can do a hundredth episode special. Clip, uh, uh, clip yes. show. In fact, I, don't they hint at that in the the very first the pilot episode of Rick and Morty? It was a hundred hundred episodes, Morty. <laughs> I don't remember if that was a specific number, but yeah. Or, or he said a hundred years of Rick and Morty. That might have been it. <laughs> but anyways, the show the so the sh- we're making we're we're kind of bringing everybody down, but the show really is a lot of fun. And um, actually, that's very much what the show's like. It'll bring you down at some points. And then something will happen, like Rick will turn himself into a pickle or something like that. Oh, one of the most understood episodes of the entire oeuvre of, uh, of Rick and Morty. It's like, people seem to like it for the wrong reason. <laughs> and when I mean people, I mean the bad fans. Bad, bad fans. 
Yeah, so. everyone latched everyone latched onto the pickle Rick thing um, very very strongly before the episode actually even came out. Uh, we just got a clip of Rick going, "I'm pickle Rick," and that turned into just a big thing. It was a big meme all over the internet. Everybody was just walking around, you know, go out chanting, you know, I'm Pickle Rick, kind of like if they were holding up a beer going, woo. Right. Well, and then that episode comes out and it's it's a it's an okay episode. It's um There were there were some moments. Yeah. Right. It is another one of the abs- you know, super absurdist episodes where you go, hmm. This is the thing. It's amusing, but it feels more like it's a a series of vignettes from a like a a 1980s MTV video or something. And traditionally, uh, Rick is immune to learning things, right? It's like his, the lessons he always learns in a, in a story is, you know, I can just change universes and change realities and not have to deal with the consequences of my actions, except for, you know, the ones that are immediate to me right now and to the people that I'm with. Well, in this one, at the end of it, it's like he learns and he's trying to develop. It's like, oh my gosh, he is he has an emotional feels that, oh, I should go to therapy. That's sort of the story is no matter how good you are at all of these other things, your your connections to your people are really what matter to you, which he never, ever learns anything else, I think, over the entire series. Well, with a character like Rick, I, I think just coming to <laughs> love and respect your family... Uh, I think that's a huge stride. I, I mean, he does. He 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 lives in a in a world where he's the smartest person around. Uh, well, the smartest being around, and he doesn't fear anything. And he, if things go wrong, he can just abandon everything and go do something somewhere else. They describe him as um, okay. So I don't know what uh, I I haven't been on the podcast before. Are we allowed to swear? Uh, occasionally. Okay, yeah. so, so so at one point, Morty just describes him straight up as a some sort of fucked up god. And that's right. not inaccurate. I think he even says that about himself at one point to the, to the president when he's beating up the president of the United States of America. Mm. I had to say that because that is every bit as absurd sounding as that, that is on the show. Seems like there were a series of cartoons, uh, you know, in the not too distant past that that had the president being beaten up for a variety of reasons. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, just, I think that it was just weird to sort of see that after the most carnage ridden, one of the grossest episodes, actually, I, I'm going to just say for me, the absolute grossest episode of all the Rick and Morty's that, you know, you had that last touching scene where he's trying to deny that he has learned anything or that he has any feels. But then at the end, you know, he sort of does. So, yay, growth. <laughs> what, the, the, was that, is that the pickle Rick one that you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Because that ends with them talking about going to like Applebee's to go drinking, I think. Well, but I mean, when they, he's on the couch, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so, and I think going to Applebee's instead of leaving the universe, going to a new one, that is growth. And, and not just that, going to Applebee's with his daughter. Yeah. It's actually doing something with someone else. Well, someone else <laughs> so who's not Morty. A lot of these, uh, right, right. So uh, in that episode, there's there's a couple other episodes 
where you get to the end and it's like you, you get the impression that the kids have a better idea of how the families how families in general should be and they're always very disappointed with how their parents kind of react to that because there's the one where, where Jerry's um, Beth and Jerry have gotten have been separated and uh, Jerry's trying to blame his kids on the fact that he's breaking up with his intergalactic girlfriend um, which is every bit as absurd as it sounds and they're very uh, upset at Jerry because he won't just admit that that he's basically a, a loser as it were and I don't think he actually learns anything at the end of that yeah the problem if I remember correctly the problem in that episode at least as far as Jerry's concerned just kind of resolved itself right right yeah intergalactic girlfriend's uh ex-boyfriend shows up and allows uh, Jerry and the kids to escape. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> For which there's much rejoicing. Yeah, but he no. he doesn't learn anything and so, you know, big big part of uh, Jerry's character arc I think is just learning to stick up for himself and to say this is what I want. And we almost get that in the Whirly Durly episode, but then it just kind of flips back over on itself. Eh. So it's it's part of uh, the season-wide progress, I think. I mean, Jerry does make some effort to stand up for himself by the end of the season. He just is not all the way there by the end of that whirly-durly episode. Yeah, that's true. Everybody in the show, except for, I think, Summer, uh, has slower growths. Summer, Summer hits a growth spurt, as it were, emotionally. Yeah. Um, and you... It's like she becomes the one real adult. Right. And you could contribute that to the fact that I think by that point, um, Royland and Harmon, Justin Royland, Dan Harmon, the creators of the show, actually had some uh, female staff writers added to the show at that point that I'm sure had uh, something to do with it. That's a, hmm. little me- that's a little meta right there. But it did feel just very organic that, of course, she would uh, be the one to have these character development, this character growth. Well, and by the time by the time she got there, right, you already had you know Rick with his essential Rickness, which is going to be this thing that he's always orbiting around, even if it looks like he's coming closer to a some sort of revelation, you know, on family and caring, and Morty, who is going to always, to some degree, be the caring schlub, right? He's he's the guy who just he wants to help people, he wants to be a better person, he wants to have a date. We'll say it that way. Um, <laughs> Typical teenage but, stuff. Yeah, and uh, but he's just chock full of insecurities, which, you know, if you are constantly under life and death threat, I guess that's going to happen, is you might you might have a tougher time overcoming your typical teenage insecurities. Though, how old is he actually supposed to be in the show? Do we know? Uh, I want to say... He's not like, a 12-year-old. <laughs> I was going to say, he like... makes a point of that. <laughs> uh, I want to say, like, 14, 15, maybe 16... But yeah, the the way he interacts with with some of the other characters that show up, it it definitely seems more like he's uh, mid-teens. He's earnest. I guess that's the best way to describe him. He doesn't seem to be... uh, I don't know. Anyway, so moving on, what else do we want to talk about about Rick and Morty? Or or did we not beat all those horses, you know, dead enough? Uh, You had mentioned themes. Themes. Let's talk themes. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, it, I think we've touched on this a little bit, but this definitely seems like, uh, uh, again, one of the big themes of the show is is sort of this uh, nihilism, which is 
uh, sort of a rejection of values. So Rick, like we've mentioned before, he, he's got this weird viewpoint of being the smartest man in the room at all times, plus he can do almost anything with his technology, plus he can just leave and start over. Yeah, he doesn't really care about a whole lot. Uh, ordinary moral things, uh, ordinary uh, societal things don't really impact him any. And so do you feel that that is sort of pointing anything in our society that is a real world example, like saying, look, these people are so rich, they're so out of touch, they don't have to care about normal people things, or that it is just sort of a overall example of how they're building this character of you know, what a doctor, it's like the anti-Doctor Who effect. Like, <laughs> where is it coming from? Why this? Uh, so I don't know if they're trying to, uh, the writers, I don't know if they're trying to, to say anything deeper about anything happening in the real world, just because the character they've created is so far outside of uh, what we would be able to see in the real world. But it, it does seem to be a, a logical consequence um, of of someone uh, some kind of creature like Doctor Who, like if they, that exists in the real world, they're either going to care way way too much, or they're just not going to have any. They're they're not going to feel any concern for ordinary human beings. Uh, so so I guess Doctor Who is one end of that spectrum, and and Rick Sanchez is the other. You're either going to have a benevolent god, or you're going to have one who wouldn't even look twice at you if you're on fire. Yeah, Don. I agree with Kristen. <laughs> You're not a lot of help. What <laughs> <laughs> um, are we? Are we still talking about nihilism? Because I, I, we don't, I don't have care to be. About I don't care. Meta jokes. No. Every time you you say nihilism, I think you know we don't care. We care about nothing, Lebowski. Uh, and, and it really does feel like though that that part of what they're saying when they're talking about nihilism is that not caring is going to cause trouble. Right, it's not just that you cannot care; it's just that if you don't care, you are going to cause yourself and other people a lot more trouble by not caring. Mm-hmm. And what Rick's really gone through, in my opinion, is just a just a the the extreme of an existential crisis in a weird way. It's like he's coming off the back end of that, having come through that. Um, you know, he's because he's gone through the whole. The whole the universe is so big that I'm just in, insignificant. To no, I am the most most significant. Therefore, have made everything else insignificant, and then including myself. To now, he's just like so. I might as well just do whatever I want and get drunk. Uh, but you see him starting to go. You kind of get the impression that that now he's like, wait, am I actually starting to really care for things again? Yeah. Well, I mean. In, in other shows, if you've got characters who are, you know, all wise or all knowing or, you know, super powerful or whatever it is, it does feel like, you know, personality wise, they, they really are still kind of bland. And with Rick Sanchez, you do feel like here's a guy who has sort of gone through stuff and, and found stuff wanting at the end. Right. It's like obviously they're all you know extreme caricatures mm-hmm. but in his case it sort of does feel like yep he's the grandfather that 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 old person role sort of fits him but he also has the vigor of i'm gonna do what i want 
kind of like that second lease on life where if you've you know, ever seen any of the various shows where it's like, hey, we're the old folks living in the old folks' home. Um, you wouldn't be surprised, or you'd be awfully surprised how much play you get living in an old folks' home, that kind of thing. Because we're old, we don't have to care what the kids say. So I guess that all sort of wraps in. Yeah. Wow, we've... And then, yeah, the fact he's the fact he's trying to find his heart again, whether he knows it or not. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Well, other themes we've, I think we have yeah, said more than anyone cares to hear about nihilism. I think family um, what's is next? definitely a, oh, family, family, I think is a, is a very important theme in Rick and Morty. Mm. Um, as, as messed up as their family dynamic is, they, if nothing else, you, from Morty, you get the whole, the, you know, he really cares about his family and he's, he, and eventually he and Summer, you can tell they're, they're trying to, uh keep some semblance of, of a family together and, and and show how important family is. Even Morty's like, you know, everyone's important, including Grandpa Rick. Right, right. Because, yeah, they, they certainly feel the, the lacking on the parental thing, so they're going to, even if they hate each other, if they're angry with each other, yeah, they're still going to try and make it be a real family. Even if it's mm-hmm. that crazy old man who lives in the garage. Or a pathetic loser for a father. Yeah. Or a neurotic horse surgeon for a mother. So, <laughs> as, as imperfect as the parents are, right, um, you know, you don't get, you don't get the sense that they're, you know, like the Bundys, where they're, you know, borderline or actually abusive to the kids. It's just like, my idiocy is going to cause us trouble, but I'm not going to you know, completely demean my kids because I'm just not smart enough to get away with it, I guess, is, is sort of what you get from the parents. Well, it definitely seems like they both care about their kids. I mean, uh, Jerry... They just suck at it. Yeah, Jerry actively tries to, to talk with his kids and and get them to do family things together. He's just kind of ineffectual at it. Yeah. So so he tries, but he his heart's in the right place. It's just... Um, <clears throat> He's bad. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Um, I don't know what else we can say about family uh, unless there's any other family dynamics we've missed. I mean, we could talk. Nope. About, okay. We could talk about Jerry's parents, but um, I don't think we should just yet. <laughs> All right. I second that. Next. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we talk about Pluto being a planet? You know, I was just watching that episode last night. Holy crud. It's totally a planetoid. It's fine. It's the it's the king of the dwarf planets. I I don't know where that is theme wise though, except for it is with Jerry being an idiot, right? I mean, well, I guess that goes with the uh, the other theme of the show, which is uh, science. Science. Science rules. We could pretty much leave it at that. That I don't think that needs much more explanation in theme of the show. Science. Well, yeah. I mean, it being a science fiction <laughs> show, they have a pretense at science from time to time. Yeah. yeah, they mu- they mutate so, an entire planet once. Yeah, so if 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 you're a fan of sci-fi, and you're a fan of like all sorts of sci-fi, um, and you've been and you've watched things like Outer Limits and Twilight Zone and and things like that, uh, you will probably really love Rick and Morty because it it hits on so many of these uh, sci-fi tropes and kind of spins a lot of them on their heads. Yep, lots and lots of pastiches of other 
of other sci-fi yeah. uh, ideas. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. They really try to fight against the whole time travel thing. They, they really want to in, insist that that's not really a thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, they use dimension hopping instead of time travel. So, yeah, I mean, you will find a lot of uh, a lot of the tropes investigated, a lot of the, you know, the same old plots, uh, you know, that have been pulled in so many other shows. And I've heard the whole series referred to as a Doctor Who on its head sort of episode or series or what have you, because you've got the Doctor, you've got the Companion. Uh, you've got the way they get from place to place, which in this case is a gun because it's the American take of Doctor Who, <laughs> you know, the portal gun or whatever it is. But yeah, they they science it up quite a bit, and uh, and it always causes them trouble, but it also gets them out of trouble. So yeah, progress, science. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, along the way, you have all of these science or science fiction tropes. Uh, like I said, pastiches cropping up. So there's like a Purge episode, which explores some of the actual conditions that would happen in, if the movies like The Purge were, were real, uh, except on a planet full of cat people. Ah, so it's The Purge. Exactly. The, the whole premise is uh, Doc Brown and, and uh, Marty from Back to the Future. Um, you've got uh, pastiches of Invasion of the ba- Body Snatchers and... I mean, it, the, the list goes on and on and on. You've got all, all of these um, older sci-fi ideas that kind of get thrown through a Rick and Morty spin. Without bad classic era Doctor Who special effects. So, hooray! Exactly. <laughs> Very few plungers being used as uh, ray guns. Right. <laughs> yes. More than six of, six of any given monster. It's like if you ever watch Doctor Who, it's like, why do we ever see groups of five or six Cybermen together? It's like, well, because they only had that many costumes. So that's why you never see an army of several thousand. All right. Oh. So er, um, earlier on, if you don't mind me, just kind of shifting gears here. Please do. Early- Someone should drive All this. Right, so earlier on, uh, we'd mentioned the sauce. And as I called it, a uh, sauce gate. So uh, we should really kind of hit on that real quick because uh, just like the pickle Rick, oddly enough, that's a thing that's taken its 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 own life, as it were, uh, from Rick and Morty. So what Sasuke is is it all stems from the season premiere of the first episode of season three, where Rick is remembering a time in the eighties where he got. The Mulan Szechuan sauce from McDonald's, and mm. and he goes on about how good it is, and even the little alien guy that he's with, who's voiced by uh, Nathan Fillion, uh, gets addicted to the sauce and really loves the sauce, and it turns into a big. His he says his quest at the end of the episode is to to get more of that Mulan sauce, and as a weird kind of cross promotional thing. Tweets, tweets went out and such, and eventually McDonald's said, fine, we'll put out a limited run of the Mulan Szechuan sauce at, at select McDonald's, which uh, Rick and Morty fans apparently were more numerous than McDonald's anticipated. And so uh, hilarity ensued. And by, uh. that I mean, and by that I mean angry fans mobbed McDonald's because some McDonald's only got like five packets of sauce 
or some and you know the people working there took them right or or like at my mcdonald's around me they didn't have the sauce and if you asked them about it they just kind of looked at you like what's what's a mulan or something like that (laughs) right and then in the way of things people turn into big old jerks um, and had to ruin all the fun you've got videos of people jumping up on the counters at mcdonald's and shouting and fights and yeah awful people were badly behaved all right it's it's they ruined a lot of fun for a lot of folks but on the other hand and i don't think that this is any reason to treat the people working at mcdonald's poorly or to get actually outraged on the internet or really anywhere is this was a poorly poorly thought out plan by mcdonald's to uh you know piggyback on a what it was an unlicensed unactual you said we will we will put out the stuff but they didn't have it wasn't actually mm-hmm. affiliated officially with rick and morty is that is that the story at this point right right which is there was a golden opportunity there for both mcdonald's and uh dan Harmon and justin roiland uh, i was really looking forward to getting some rick and morty uh happy meal toys but no yeah on the other hand, some of the themes in Rick and Morty are not McDonald's friendly because they get a bit vulgar at times. Um, yeah, I can so. see a, a company who has a cheerful clown as a mascot not really wanting to be that associated with a show like Rick and Morty. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. yet, and yet there's Carl Jr. ads that were done by the Rick and Morty guys. That happened before this McDonald's thing, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So then, then again, that's even worse. I mean, then it would be uh, uh-huh. you, 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 you've been doing ads for our competitors. We definitely don't want to be directly associated with you, but we'll definitely still take all of your uh, publicity and that you gave for our, our sauce from the nineties. Well, right. even if they didn't do anything official, uh, I think McDonald's, uh, they could have sold a lot of nuggets if they had a lot more of that sauce. They fumbled the ball on that hard because they put out just enough to irritate people. Right. So this, so the backlash from this is people got mad at McDonald's and people got mad at Rick and Morty fans. All of a sudden, every Rick and Morty fan was considered a jerk and a, a, a butthole. And that's me cleaning up what uh, some of the comments were. Yes. Yeah, it, it was pretty some harsh. Some of us are like that. Yeah, only some of us are like that. I'd hope I'd. They say one out of every three Rick and Morty's fan, very big jerk. Yeah. So, so which one of us is the really big jerk? Uh, send your comments to to Donald Dennis at inversegenius.com. No. No, that's not going to get us. We don't have that email. Well, send, send it there anyways and see what happens. That's right. Send it there. That's where it belongs. Oh, wait. I guess I'm the jerk. Um, but yeah, fandom. Give us, give us your best. Yeah. Fandom loves to be toxic these days, if it's not policed appropriately from within, not not actually policed. Oh man, I'm sending no, like I, everything I, Rick Rick Sanchez <laughs> hates. Yeah. Rick Sanchez would hate fandom. He totally would. Yes, until yeah. everybody. And I think that's the big joke that no one yeah, gets. But if everybody agreed with him, then he would be the hugest, the huge uh, Rick and Morty fan. Mm. Ah, I see? don't know that he would. He'd be like, oh, if nobody's going to be a fan of this, then I'm going to be the biggest fan. I'm the Ricky, Rickest of all Ricks. That is true. Well, uh, so we mentioned that. Let's let's hit a couple of the big arcs that have been recurring over the over the entire series, or big recurring yeah. jokes, or 
just recurring lesser characters who aren't the family. Because I feel like we gave the family way too much time based on how interesting they are. <laughs> um, and it's like you have what? Birdman. Bird person, man. Bird person, man. Who's straight out of Flash Gordon. Right, right. Or no, is it Buck Rogers? No, that's it's Flash, very much a Flash Gordon. So... I think it was, the Buck Rogers had bird people too, though, right? I think everybody had, everybody has bird people. Bird people for everybody. There's a bird person in He-Man, so it could have been that. I've seen a lot of He-Man type characters out of this. Masters, which is probably why they're on the show because they're picking at every trope. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So you mentioned Bird Person Man. That's a good one. He's a good one. There's my favorite, uh, Squanchy. It was a right now a little bit about Squanchy without getting too squanchy. Oh yeah, we wouldn't want Tell to squanch up the squanch quench. Uh Squanchy is a little he's a little cat person question mark. That uh he's kinda like with Smurfs, how how a lot of their words they just replace with the word Smurf. He replaces words with the word squanch. And hilarity ensues. Oh he also with the intent of being as vulgar as possible. Right, right. He also has a weird capsule in his tooth that he can use to turn into a gigantic version of himself. But only in times of emergencies. And he has recurred several times. Actually, so is Birdman. Um, <laughs> bird person. I think bird person more, more so, more bird person, man. Uh, uh, more so than uh, Squanchy. Squanchy's been in like three episodes, I think. I'm Squanchy yeah, well, here. Oh, uh, bird person has an <laughs> actual plot... Uh, relevance every now and then um one of the the things that kicked off uh i think it was season two's finale was his wedding Mm -hmm. yeah which was used as a um sting operation by uh intergalactic federales to catch rick sanchez and some others who'd been accused of terrorism so, Bird Person would show up in different episodes, and he would always he would be the one who would would give usually Morty the very meaningful advice. He's very much a, and you know it's so it's no coincidence that he's voiced by Dan Harmon. So he's he's very much that um that's that Silent Bob kind of a character. A lot of directors tend to do that. They put themselves in like a show but or something but only for a very small time so they can give out meaningful advice to to one of the characters it's the wisdom of the owls yes yes <laughs> sorry I, and I, that's, and, I had nothing to fill the hole with oh freezing uh, 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 but person, oh, we need to do an archer episode uh somebody agreed with you on that <laughs> in the background um, so <laughs> So bird person's where we get the uh, where we find out what the meaning of Rick's uh, famous catchphrase "wubba lubba dub dub," what it really means, which is uh, what, what does it really mean? It means um, oh gosh, what does it mean, Kristen? It's um, I am in constant pain or something like that. Yeah, pl- yeah, I'm in pain. Please help me. Well, that's kind of a downer. <laughs> um, it is. So I'm sure he's just saying it ironically. Sure, sure he is. Well, I mean, yeah. the way he says it, you know, wubba lubba dub dub. It's always well, it's a tonal language, right? You know, it's always happy and he's always smiling when he says it, but right. it's not just <laughs> nonsense. Yeah. So, so what is what are some other um, bizarro type uh, recurring characters that are that have been pretty fun? There's always Mister Poopy Butthole. 
There is always him, yes. Longtime huh. family friend. Yeah. Yeah. Who looks like what, a balloon animal? <laughs> or just a, top, a balloon? Yeah, with a top with a with a top hat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh Mr. Poopy Bubba. So I think people really want his return. Uh do they though? I don't actually know. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So aside from Mr. Poopy Butthole, because that's clearly a um, a dead end right there. Yes, in so many ways. <laughs> mm. uh, for a while there, for a while there, you get uh, Morty's teacher, Mr. Goldenfolds, who they just kind of work. He he just shows up as a kind of a little bit role here and there um, towards season three. And his principal, uh, what's his principal name? Principal Vagina, I think it is. Yeah, no relation. No relation, yeah. Who shows up, mm. who, who's mostly in season one and two also. They, they kind of go away from the, a lot of the school stuff in season three. Much, but they much bring like them back with the, like the floating heads, right? It's like right, they, right. they have some episodes where they drag in old characters and say, well, we, we, we can just use these guys over because... Uh, and they what is it? They had the the floating heads show up on Earth and demand to be entertained. Mm-hmm. Show yep. me what you got. And, uh, yeah. and that's where the Get Shrifty song comes from. And uh, the less said about that, the better. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, who who are some of your your favorite uh, non main supporting non main cast characters? Then you've got, of course, Nathan Fillion's character, the alien who is. What mm-hmm. basically trying to get into Rick's mind because they've they've captured him right. and he's in like a in a virtual reality thing in his mind. Yeah. Oh, so that, that's a thing. Yeah, he's he's pretty cool. So this show has a lot of uh, what what I like to call Boba Fett characters in it, where it's a character that shows up very briefly or maybe just for that episode, but becomes instant fan favorite. So like Mr. Meeseeks is definitely one of those. I'm surprised we haven't talked about Mr. Meeseeks yet. Oh yeah. So Mr. Meeseeks, it's it's a creature that comes out of this box called the Meeseeks box. You hit the button and he shows up. He's very friendly and he helps you with a task and then he ceases to exist. The whole purpose of a lifespan of a Meeseeks is to just exist to help out with a task and that's it. So of course when Jerry gets a hold of it, it backfires and yeah, in that episode it ends up with hundreds of Meeseeks and um, none of them can die because they can't get Jerry over par. In a golf game. That's right. <laughs> Under par. Under par. Ah, gosh. But I don't understand golf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talked about, about his catchphrase, the I'm in pain and help me one. Mm-hmm. That uh, that sort of reminded me of the where the, he had all of his memories stored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in their basement or whatever. And they would wipe out. Yeah. It's it's like, oh, we're going to pull out all these painful memories. you got the red memories. you got the blue memories. And then the purple Which ones. I'm sure was a nod at uh, that movie, The Matrix. The Matrix, um, yeah. But, uh, or red and blue just happen to be common colors, I guess, is the other way to look at it. <laughs> um, uh, oh, and then there's what, Morty Jr.? Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Morty Jr. Part, part uh, <laughs> uh, Gazorpazorpian? Right, so it's um, yeah, some yeah. some race where the males are hyper aggressively violent and stupid, and so mm-hmm. uh, Morty impregnates a sex robot, and out pops Morty Junior. Yep, 
<laughs> so Morty, through the span of the whole episode, pretty much has to quote unquote raise Morty Jr., who grows very quickly. In the in the tropiest of all tropes. Yep. Right. So that episode is also interesting because you have two characters in there that are voiced by by um, Claudia Black and Virginia Hay. So if you're a big star, um, whatever, Farscape fan, excuse me. Uh, hey, li- yes, I am. Little mini uh, Farscape reunion right there in that episode. Woohoo! All they need was Mike was Crichton and Dargo. You'd be all there. I'm actually surprised they got Virginia Hay. So. You think? Yeah. She didn't have to put on makeup. I think she's happy with anything she doesn't have to put on makeup for. Hmm. Yeah, okay. And then there was uh, Anatomy Park, another classic episode. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, Kristen, why don't you uh, tell us what you... What you, what you oh, yeah. That, you I, I, I think about Anatomy Park. Anatomy Park is clearly the best episode of... Uh, or the best Christmas episode of any TV show ever. And, and the whole premise is that, uh, what, there's a bum, and he builds, and he is put together... A theme park inside of this homeless, homeless guy. Yeah. I guess I should say not say bum. That's you know, old school bad thinking. But this alcoholic homeless guy, and uh, he's turned the innards into a, a theme park, and uh, that gets exciting. Something goes wrong, and Rick shrinks Morty down to go investigate, and it turns out that a whole bunch of pathogens that this uh, guy has <laughs> have escaped, and it's basically um redone version of jurassic park uh and john oliver is in it <laughs> as an amoeba and, yeah, the, and the one the who's B- like giving the tour yeah yeah and the b plot of that episode is jerry trying to have a normal human holiday with his family and get them his, off of their electronic devices and all that stuff right yeah right and his and his parents show up along with their 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 uh, friend and uh, hilarity ensues. Turns out, Ooh. getting people off of their iPads at Christmas isn't always a good thing. You don't think? Uh, when it leads to uncomfortable uh, scenes, like you see in that episode, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like 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 his dad going into the closet dressed as Superman. Yeah, or um, <laughs> them having some sort of bongo playing session. Oh uh, yeah. Like, so yeah. so that was going to be my ringtone for a while was the uh, summer doing the the little drummer boy song. Uh, <laughs> so you just stuck with uh human music or Oh, that's a good one too. But yeah, they have to figure out how to um get out of Anatomy Park with the uh with the survivors. And it turns out um it involves having a continent-sized homeless man. I'm sorry, Just I didn't same. hear you. Having what? A continent-sized homeless man. Oh, yes, floating above the earth. Mm-hmm. Yep, dressed as Santa Claus, sort of. Well. Well, wearing a Santa hat. There you go. Not dressed as anything, wearing a Santa hat. <laughs> so let's, uh, so what What would you think, what do you think your, your favorite episode of the show was? Or rather, if you were like, if somebody was like, well, I'm interested in this, but I've never seen it before. What episode do you sit them down in front of and say, watch this first? Ooh, that's really tough for me because I really like all of the uh, the Citadel of Ricks and the, you know, you have all the different Ricks and all the different personas and, um, you know, all the different Mortys. And so that's, I think, a horrible one to set someone down in front of <laughs> and start with. I think that that's a great, oh, look, we're coming to the end of this road. Let's 
let's make it you know wild and bumpy. And so I think it's probably the worst one to start somebody with. Right. So you think, but you think like the Rick Lennis episode, which is that one, is probably your yeah. favorite one, but not the one you would you would make someone watch to go here, watch this, and this this will make yeah. you either love or hate the show. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. How about you? What do you? Where would you go? Well, I'm always a fan of the Mr. Meeseeks episode myself. Yeah. Um, but I think I, if I was like, if you're either, if I wanted someone to go either really like the show or just really not, I would give them the, I would say, here's uh, whatever it is, Rick Potion number nine, the one with all the, um, the Cronenbergs. That's that's a rough episode to start people off with. Oh, that's is, that's the one with but, all the melty monsters, right? Yeah, it's like they mutated the but world. It ends, but it ends with that whole. You get at the end, you get the whole. Well, uh, we went to another world now, where that that none of that stuff happened. We can only do this about um, seven or so more times. I, I imagine. Yeah, the last couple minutes of that episode are. Um, I, I think they have shaped the rest of the show since then, and. So in a way, that makes it a really good episode to, to show people. It's like, yeah, this this has a lot of the themes, uh, a lot of the humor, and, and so on that uh, the rest of the show is going to, to exhibit. But yeah, that's that's a rough one to, to start people off with. Well, I would either do that one or the one that with the um, the big uh, oh what were they called the the one with the Avengers type. Um, pastiche that they they team up with to fight the the world destroyer, the Vindicators, Vindicators three, yeah, Oof. yeah, that might be a good one to start people off with. Be like you you like the the MCU stuff, right? Or you like <laughs> Justice League, right? You should watch this. It's just like that. Just like that. Yep. Well, I and I do find it amusing. They get to such a casual point where they're just watching television. From, like, everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like the group is still sitting in the living room. And I don't, it's not that episode, but it sort of reminded me that, oh, let's watch, you know, uh, Mr. Poopy Butthole. Or let's watch all of these, these shows because they're getting interdimensional television. Um, yeah. Which is another trope I thought was amusing. Yeah. Or another theme or whatever, rather. Yeah. Um, and we haven't even talked about those two. There's two episodes called Interdimensional television or interdimensional cable which um those are really interesting ones just because it's it's a lot of improv that they then had to animate and so the way they get around that was pretty interesting with uh, basically we're we're channel surfing so oh look it's a channel where everybody is a is a corn cob for whatever reason mm-hmm. and that's where we get gazorpazorp field from you know yeah uh i mean lots of uh Television premise ideas that are just absurd. Uh, is it Baby Legs uh, Jones or something like that? Oh, Officer Be- Baby Legs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where he's teamed up with a guy who's got regular sized legs so they can fight crime together because mm-hmm. clearly running around and chasing suspects while you have uh, Baby Legs kind of kind of doesn't work. So, so if you were going to have a spin-off show from this or if they were going to make just one episode based off of one of those interdimensional cable things that they watch which one would you want them to make cuz oh cause i don't I know that i see... want them to make any of them i know exactly oh, which I one would... i want them to make 
But yeah, John, go ahead. Too. It would be ball fondlers. <laughs> <laughs> not not the one I would have picked. Uh, I would have gone with the uh, two brothers who are just driving who are along. Actual brothers. Who are actual brothers? <laughs> two yes. brothers who are actual brothers. <laughs> and uh, they're just driving along, and then a meteor strikes and it like just constantly adding more things grandmas show up with the killer cats and like it just keeps getting more and more absurd yeah and and mexicans with uh whatever it was salad shooters i I would totally pay to see that movie (laughs) so would, would that would that episode just be them just continually adding more onto the title and not actually getting to the actual uh movie or episode itself I just kind of want to see the things continue to escalate, just how far they could push that. <laughs> and, and, and of course, the reaction of the, uh, the two brothers as things get crazier and crazier. <laughs> I'm sorry. The cat has come and has decided to death roll my foot. Ow! <laughs> Off of me! Uh, so the cat would want to watch Gazorp Resort Field. She probably would. I don't know. She wants her, she wants her enchilada. As, as amusing as I find them flipping around through the channels, I've never really gotten the feeling that, you know what I want is to watch a full episode of any of those. <laughs> I know. Um, ball fondlers. Ball fondlers. That looks like it'd be amazing. I mean, they went to a, they went yeah. to a, a different reality where that, on the other hand, I don't like freeform jazz either. So whatever. <laughs> well, I think, uh, is there anything else we want to cover before we wrap this up? I feel like there's so much in the, about this show that we've probably missed something that somebody will be like, Oh, how come you guys, I can't believe you guys didn't uh, talk about this type of thing. Like Rick's aversion to things on a cob or something stupid like that. Yeah. Well, I do find the, the, the tough thing, the tough sell on this is I like the show a lot. I enjoy it. My wife likes it when she's watching it. But if I ever say, Hey, let's watch some old episodes of Rick and Morty. She's like, no, because Rick is such a disgusting character with his a constant <laughs> belching and the little bit of vomit that is, you know, on him or his clothes at almost all times. All right. Uh, it's like, you know, I understand you're trying to make him a repulsive character in so many ways. <laughs> but yeah, they went they went a little overboard for some people's comfort. Let's just say that. <laughs> And, and I understand Rick and Morty is not for everyone. And if you're this far along in the podcast and it's still not for you, well, thank you for listening. Um, <laughs> I hope that you have enjoyed what we're talking about. Those are the real champs. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes they go overboard and you're like, I can't believe I'm watching this. And there are parts of the Pickle Rick episode where I do sort of have to either look away or stop myself from doing so because it's like that is... That is just, they're just trying to gross you out. Yeah. <laughs> is there, what would you like to see in the future? Is there anything that you want to see in the upcoming, you know, 70 some odd episodes of uh, Rick and Morty? I want to see the world that Doofus Rick comes from. Oh, yeah. Now, is, is Doofus Rick still the smartest of all the people in the world? I don't know. I just think he's a Rick, and that's why he's on the council. Right. I bet, the, I bet Doofus, Rick's, Doofus Rick's world is probably run by Jerry. <laughs> that that would be good chris how about you uh mm, i mean there's a couple of things i really don't want them to do 
All right, label. That's fine. Uh, yeah, we yeah. Can go with so, that. so I'd I'd rather them not go too far down the path of making Rick redeemable. I think that would cut away a lot of what I think makes the show work. And with seventy episodes, there's a lot of ways they could make Rick sympathetic, and I think they have to uh, work against that urge. Right. Well, I mean, he can be, you know, the the kind of character that. Every once in a while, he tries, and then he reverts to form, right? Sure, yeah. But, like, I, I think there's a limit to <clears throat> how much of uh, positive character development they can give him, and it still be the same show. So, right. so th- it's like, oh, we're ending the show. Maybe we'll make him positive, or maybe we'll kill him off, or maybe we'll just send him off on another adventure. That's where you make that final decision, none of which is going to satisfy anyone you know, in, in the fashion of endings, right. Or everyone. Uh, but yeah, yeah if, if you do it too soon, then you're, you're committing to changing the entire nature of the show. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, he's got so much stuff going on, uh, in the background. I don't think, uh, I don't think it would be appropriate to make him like, uh, super moral cares about everyone kind of character. They've got to, they've got to limit how much of that they can, they can give him. Right. Yeah. So, so the sympathy, I think the sympathy that you can generate with this character is the same kind of sympathy that they've done already, which is the, he's actually in pain and crying out for help or he's seen some stuff. And so you're sympathetic with that as opposed to make him behave in a fashion where you go, Oh man, he is such a nice and wonderful person at this point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think they even made um, fun of that in an earlier episode where they, uh, they have the toxins taken out of him and he's, you know, uh, uh, on a surface level, a much nicer person and it ends badly for him. Hmm. Because it turns out that, yeah, his detox version of himself actually doesn't care about his family or something. It definitely doesn't care about Morty. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I like it that, uh, that they, they do a lot of play off of other, you know, science fiction tropes that we have without, it's, it's like, it's a call out for the people who know it. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's not always blatant. It's not always the, Hey, we're doing this. But then on the other hand, you have the Mad Max episodes or the, the ones where it's, Hey, we're living in a post-apocalyptic sort of world or, or whatever. And summer gets super competent. You know, that, that that's kind of interesting to see the different twists on the characters, the other characters. But I think you sort of have to have the poles of Rick and Morty to structure all of that around. Yeah. And I want them to, I want them to do more takes uh, against some of my other favorite stuff. You know, I'd like them to to do some more Farscapey joke kind of stuff or more, um, you know, pull in, other, pull in other characters that we like like Nathan Fillion or actors rather and force them to be on the show because that's sort of where the fun of Rick and Morty is for my end. Oh, but anything else you're excited about? So it really, it really is one of these shows where as I'm talking with other people, I am constantly going, Oh yeah. And then there's this episode. Remember when they did this in this episode or, Oh, remember when this thing happened in this episode? So it it is kind of one of those shows that uh, when you, when you get into it and when you start to actually just kind of, you know, turn off your mind a little bit and watch it and really enjoy it. It does become one of those where 
it's it's you know you you can really talk with other people and have a good time uh, with your experiences from the show and i think a lot of that is because of the you can watch these in any order and it's not going to make a huge amount of difference right it's not like you've got an overarching story from every episode to every episode you know not like a a breaking bad or right. you know a yeah. battlestar galactica where you kind of want to get the build up it's there's a lot of non sequitur episodes as a whole where you're, this doesn't matter and so you, you i tend to forget like oh wait that was a thing like i forgot anatomy park until it was brought up and i was like oh yeah 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 there was the guy and he had the stuff inside of him and that's hilarious but because it doesn't actually matter to anything though you'd think having a giant Santa Claus floating over the earth would matter. Eh, a couple episodes later, that earth got uh, overrun by, um, Cronenberg's. Yeah. Yeah. So, so kind of became a oh, moot point after that. Yeah. So, so at the end of each, we, I'm surprised we didn't mention this at the end of each episode, after the credits, you do get like a little, like a maybe less than a minute kind of thing that they put on the end of each episode, and um, those those are usually pretty funny. And sometimes there's like a uh, a quote unquote big reveal, which turns out to not be a big reveal at all. But um, like like one of them ends with Phoenix person rising, which went nowhere for the entire rest of right. the season. Right, or you, or like the Cronenberg one, where you have Cronenberg, Rick, and Cronenberg, Morty showing up, going, "Wow, it's a good thing we we managed to find another world that was turned in where everyone was turned into Cronenbergs, for, so we can escape from mm-hmm. that world where we turned everybody into to regular people." Yeah, favorite one of those is um, where the vampire guy wakes up and finds out that one of his uh, subjects has been killed because the guy's. The the uh, subject's name was Coach Ferratu. It's like that. Yeah. Really, he went with that. That was the name he went with. It's Coach Ferratu. From now on, no more obvious names. Huh. Yeah. From now on, next name we're gonna go by is Steve. Yeah. Nice. Well, all right. I think I'm done. I've got nothing else to say about this delightful show except for now. I can't wait for the next season to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want folks to go out and enjoy it. And you probably, hopefully, when does the next season start? Do we know? November. It's uh, November. November. All right. So this will drop sometime before November. So folks will have time, if you have not, to go out and watch the rest of the show as it currently exists. Rick and Morty. Wonderful, wonderful. So, um, Chris. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. No problem. If, you, if people want to find you on the social internet, uh, do you want them to do so? And if so, where? Uh, no. <laughs> All right. John. Oh, Kristen just doesn't want to mention any of his uh, his his fine published works of uh, philosophy that are out there. Is that what it is? You mean adult entertainment? That too. <laughs> uh, well, if you want to find me, uh, you can find me out there. I'm usually all over the place as Cobalt Dude. Uh, but more importantly, you should check out SwarmcastPodcast.com where you can usually hear me making silly voices and doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah, so go check out the Swarmcast, and uh, they do the board games, they do the role-playing games, they do quick plays, they talk about things they have on guests, um, they do funny voices. So, uh, yeah, if you're listening to this, it should be right up your alley. Yeah, I'm Donald Dennis, once again, Walsfio all over the internet. 
To find out more about Inverse Genius than people who create this and all of our other shows, head over to InverseGenius.com. Some of those said shows include On Board Games, On RPGs, Games in Schools and Libraries, The Party Game Cast, the podcast about party games and games you take the parties, uh, The Room Escape Divas, and we also have a couple of streamers with us now, Lint Theory and Nephilope. So go check out all of our cool stuff. If you have an idea for an episode or want to be on the show, please let us know. You can head over to InverseGenius.com and contact us there. I'm Donald Dennis. Ooh-wee! I'm Mr. Beastics. Look at me! Can do! <laughs> oh, that's the other thing. Is we didn't actually talk about where else there was Rick and Morty in the world, like the Mr. Meeseeks box of fun. And I mean, there oh, are games. Oh, and- yeah. There's, there's so many games. There's like a, there's, there's, there's what, uh, there's, I think there's an operation game, which is oddly enough, not, um, not themed after anatomy park for whatever reason. Yeah. I thought they really missed that. That was, that would have been a good choice. Weird. Uh, I'm just looking at the, the Wikipedia page right now. They've got comics, video games, tabletop games, music. Yeah, well, I've got the soundtrack. The music's in the quotes, probably. Pretty, the soundtrack tracks are actually pretty cool. Oh, how did we not talk about this? They have a they had in the comics they did a D and D crossover, and so now there's like a D and D box set based off of the Rick and Morty versus D and D, and they're coming out with like mm. another box set for Rick and Morty D and D. That's ridiculous. The the Mister Meeseeks game we played at your place. And it is Yahtzee for not kids. <laughs> I've true. never had so much fun watching my son be just embarrassed to be around adults. <laughs> so, so, so a lot of those games are kind of hit or miss. Um, I mean, you know, there's there's a Rick and Morty Monopoly, Rick and Morty Clue, and if those are your things, then go for it. Um, I, f- I found there's the one that's based off the Parasite episode, which I don't know why I can't think of what it's called. Uh, that one's pretty fun. Where you're trying to basically figure out which character is a parasite and which one's real. Yeah. Is that uh, Total Recall? Yes. Yeah, the parasite, recall. yeah. Yeah. I, I've been wanting to get my hands on the Anatomy Park uh, card game, but I haven't gotten it yet. Just because I love uh, that episode so much. Yeah. Oh, well, this may or may not go in the episode. Still <laughs> well, I've still so. been that'll recording, be the, so... That'll be the alternate... Uh, that'll be the Earth... Uh, oh, our alternate ending, our aftertakes. Right. Yes. Well, it will be like, um, oh, you're listening to Inverse Genius... Uh, what do we call it? Uh, Cronenberg Inverse Genius. And I've got Cronenberg uh, John and Cronenberg Kristen. We're going to talk about our, our favorite... Uh, Rick and Morty themed games. So, <laughs> why did they call them the Cronenbergs? Uh, it's a oh, reference they- to uh, David Cronenberg, who did was he a uh, director, a uh, writer, something like that, who did a whole bunch of uh, body yeah, horror movies. So, like um, right. The Fly, the remake of The Fly with Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, uh, and uh, was it Scanners? What was the other one? He's, I he's think so. uh, famous for. I think it yes. was. Yeah, I think it was Scanners. So, so he does a lot of body horror, and the style of body horror was a lot like uh, what shows up in that episode. Hmm. 
Yeah, so it, it, it's one of those things that, um, you, you know, where the hell did that come from? And, and um, if you have never looked into it, it doesn't affect your yeah, understanding. There, there are a lot of references I'm sure I don't get. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, um, there's a, the, the, the city I used to live in, um, there's actually a Cronenberg near there. It's, it's the name of a mountain because Berg is just German for mountain. So it's Cronen Mountain. Uh, and I laugh every time I see it. Interesting. Nice. Well, and now you know where to find him. Yep. Wait. I don't live in that part of Germany anymore, but you know. Likely story. Likely story. <laughs> um. Hmm. Well, okay. Then, um, then that's it. I think we are really actually done this time. Okay. Um, hopefully. Because I'm going to stop recording now. I, I'm, I'm, I'm having a tough time coming up with an ending. Can you guys get in this show? Oof. Um. I've, this episode with us, not 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 Rick and Morty. Oh oh, yeah. oh okay. <laughs> uh, like uh, I feel like we've kind of been talking around stuff for the last five minutes. So uh, uh ooh that sure was a good episode of Inverse Genius. I can't wait to hear what they do on the next episode. <laughs> oh. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.